you do if suddenly you came into $50,000? Would you buy a new car? Would you pay off your debt? One person in Florida has used it to give back to her community, and she is using it writing to bring people together. Gloria Munoz was awarded a $50,000 grant recently. She has been intentional in using her grant money to bring people together. To give a few examples, she hosted a poetry festival with participants from ages 7 to 80, and she has served young people in juvenile detention centers. Poetry is therapeutic in many ways. As a writer, it allows you to share what's on your heart. It pushes you to express yourself in unique ways. As a reader, you may resonate with the themes on the page. Next time you're in need of some comfort, why don't you read poetry found in Scripture? The Psalms will speak to your soul as the psalmist's heart is expressed in writing. Welcome to Haven Today here on Tuesday. I'm Charles Morris sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus. And we are in a series this week called Christians You Should Know. I have to say I'm pretty excited to introduce you to today's guest. He's a Cambridge scholar. He's a Christian theologian, but he's more well known for his poetry many of which mirror his journey from darkness to divine illumination, captivating hearts worldwide. I've always loved poetry, and I, you know, there was a time when I, when I lost my faith and a time when I gained it again. Mm-hmm. And when I gained it again as an undergraduate in, in Cambridge, suddenly poetry came alive to me again in a new way. Poet and pastor Malcolm Geith will be back with us in just a moment as we delve into the world of words woven with elegance as well as the gospel. After the program, I want to send you a special resource that is full of eloquent words of worship called Then Sings My Soul. Robert Morgan shares the backstories of 150 hymns, and he includes the sheet music and lyrics so you can sing along with the hymns. This unique devotional will help you sing the Lord's praises with a new sense of appreciation for who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life. Many of these songs were written in the midst of great trial, but they all point to the great hope we have in Christ. So after the program, come visit our website and see the book for yourself, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And if you'd like to get an extra copy, or two, or ten, or sixty-six, yes, we had someone make a very generous gift to the ministry yesterday asking for sixty-six copies to give to his family and friends. So whether you want to give an extra copy or more, just ask about it when you come online or call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's open with one of the hymns from Then Sings My Soul. Here's All Creatures of Our God and King by Shane and Shane with Davy Flowers from the album Songs, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. Of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise Him! Oh, praise Him! Thou burning sun with golden Oh, 
Welcome to Haven Today, and we're coming from Regent College, and I've been wanting to do what we get to do today for a very long time. I'm with a former chaplain at a college at Cambridge. He is a poet. I mean a real poet. But more than that, he loves Jesus. Malcolm Guy, welcome to Haven Today. Well, thank you, Charles. It's very good to be to be here and uh, have a bit of time with you. And um, hello to your many listeners. Well, I wanted to have you on, not because I understand the richness of poetry in the same way you do, but I've been hearing you speak for the last several years. I wander through my wife's study, and there Malcolm Guide is on in the background, especially during <laughs> COVID. But you have this part of your life, maybe it's you grew up in Africa, part of your life in Africa, uh, and you went to Cambridge yourself, uh, you taught at Cambridge, but you've got this ability to look at poetry and look at the scriptures at the same time mm. and say, aha, this yeah. is pointing to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, so so where do we start? Do you want to start with a passage of Scripture, like the Lord's Prayer or something? Do you want to start well, with a, a, a let, poem? Let, yeah, let me, well, maybe I can, if we're going to start with a, a passage of Scripture, I mean, for me, one of the most astonishing passages in all of Scripture, and it is, this has got to be a passage that would appeal to a poet anyway, okay. is the beginning of John's Gospel, right? So well, hopefully in, all of us it yeah, would well, indeed, to, but yeah, yes. the whole of John's uh-huh. gospel. John is a poet's gospel, if ever there was one. But you say the so-called prologue to, to John's gospel. But really, this prologue isn't just a chapter one. It's under everything in John. Yes. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was and this wonderful idea that in God himself, in the mind of God, is this, this logos, this word, this... This utterance, and of course, when John writes in the beginning, he's deliberately quoting Genesis, of course. Yes. In the beginning, beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, how did God do that? Listen to the beginning of Genesis. Fantastic. Let there be light. And there was light. You know, let the firmament arise. Let these. God speaks cosmos into being. Now, in our own tiny little way, in a very derivative, sub-creationalist talking would say way, mm-hmm. we, who are all made in the image of God, but the poets particularly, we get, in our own little way, to summon words, to speak a word, to say things out, and they're summoned, and they appear, and they appear in the minds of our readers, mm-hmm. and something beautiful happens mm-hmm. to them. That's only a tiny little echo of what God is doing all the time. And God's word is better than a poem because God's word is a person. Everything about who God is, the very heart of the love of heaven comes to us as a person. Now, I'll tell you a thing that I, I've always loved poetry and I, you know, there was a time when I, when I lost my faith and a time when I gained it again. Mm-hmm. And when I gained it again as an undergraduate in, in Cambridge, suddenly poetry came alive to me again in a new way. And there's a description of how poetry works. By Shakespeare. So if you're going to figure out what poetry is like, don't mess around with middle Go to Shakespeare. Go to Shakespeare. Okay. So Shakespeare has a famous passage in A Midsummer Night's Dream about what poetry is. And I always used to think it's just about poetry. But just listen to this. This is a bit of Shakespeare. Okay. This is all downhill from here. Let me tell our listeners. Yeah. Everything you're hearing from Malcolm is off the top of his head. Right. He has this amazing memory. Please. So, okay. Go ahead. So here's Shakespeare in Midsummer Night's Dream describing how a poet does their job, right? Goes like this. The poet's eye in a fine frenzy rolling, doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven. And 
As imagination bodies forth the form of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives to airy nothing a local habitation and a name. Mm. It's great. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, well done, Shakespeare. That's great. That's it, isn't it? Like you often thought something it was this little flimsy thing. It was, was it up in heaven? Was it on earth? I just saw it. I can't remember what it was. And then the poet, the imagination of the poet gives that thing a body and a form and a shape and a known thing. And you can read it again and again. And you can go back there and find it. Imagination bodies forth the form of things unknown. The poet doesn't just talk about what's here on earth and you can see the visible he talks about the invisible the the glimmerings he woos them into comprehension so i thought okay this is a good account of poetry it was only when i went back to it when i came to write a book called faith hope and poetry and i was a fully believing you know trinitarian christian by then and i was (laughs) trying to see how literature and poetry sometimes opens up to some of the riches of scripture just as the riches of scripture open up poetry and i was rereading this passage of shakespeare or re-remembering it I thought, what does this remind me of? This thing, there's earth, heaven, heaven, earth, imagination, bodying forth. I suddenly thought, well, you've got this idea of the heavenly, the discarnate, the, 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 the abstract, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, you can only apprehend it, you can't quite comprehend mm-hmm. That's the heavenly. You've got the earthly. It's body, it's substance, it's local, it's named. You know what it is, right? The poet is going between heaven and earth, heaven and earth, wooing the heavenly into the earthly. What's the key word in that sentence? It's bodies. Imagination bodies forth. Imagination doesn't stay flimsy-whimsy and airy-fairy. Mm, mm. It creates a, a thing you can really see and touch. I thought, what does this remind me of? And I suddenly thought, wait a minute. I see what you're doing there, William. <laughs> you are riffing on John's gospel. Think about it. Wow. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word yes, was with yes, God, and the Word yes. was God. That's all in the heavenly. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's brilliant. Like, it's Greek philosophy. It's fantastic. Right. But those first three or four verses, I can't see it. I don't know what that's about. I know it's important and beautiful, but, it, like, I, I can't get hold of it. And then John one fourteen, And the Word was made flesh. flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw it. And what is the first question that the disciples ask Jesus in John? They go, Master, where are you saying? Magister, ubi habitas, where is your habitation? Mm. And I suddenly thought, wait a minute. All of heaven, all the ab, we could never have got a hold of. God loves us so much that he turns it into the poem, which is just imagination bodies forth. The love of God is given a body and more than that, a local habitation and a name mm-hmm. and comes into our world and is the poetic embodied. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I thought Shakespeare mm-hmm. is, he knows how what it is to take these beautiful ideas and clothe them in flesh so real people are acting in front of you. But this is more than acting. This is God mm-hmm. himself made mm-hmm. flesh. And then I thought, maybe that's why we want to write poetry. We're made in the image of God. We don't get to do it as well as he is. He does it from nothing. We inherit language. We inherit ideas. But there's something in here or up there that needs to be bodied forth so people can really meet it and encounter it. And that's why I like poetry that communicates and is lucid and clear and that you can get hold of. Of course, it's got mystery, yeah, it's sure, area, sure. but it's available. I, I resist poetry and art that flies back into the abstract, you know? 
What do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you. Uh, let me quote another poem. This okay, is about, okay. Okay. That's, so that's why is, we're this having is, you this on is, today. This is, um, yes. is a Scottish mystical poet called Edwin Muir. And I mean, maybe this is a, So he, he, became, he was brought up as a Christian, then he lost his faith, and he came back to it rather like I did. Mm-hmm. He, he died in the 50s, right? This is a poem from his last book called One Fit in, Foot in Eden. It's called The Incarnate One. Mm. And it has a memory of bad church as a kid. Mm. Right. Boy, have we all been there. Okay. Yes. So this is what he says about bad church. He says, the word made flesh is here made words again. The word made word in flourish and arrogant crook. See there King Calvin with his iron pen and God, three angry letters in a book. For here the mystery is impaled and bent into an ideological argument. (laughs) There's better gospel in man's natural tongue. You know, wow. That's wow. what I mean by abstracting away. Okay. God shows us that when he wants to communicate with us, he becomes one of us. He clothes himself in our flesh. He doesn't cease to be God. He's still full of more mystery and beauty and meaning than we could ever have, sure. have space for. But he doesn't say, hey, you've got to aspire and do all this and climb the mountain and purify yourself you'll get a little glimpse he says okay let the sages do that but you've got a job to do you're doing work like i did work with my dad the carpenter i'm going to come to you in your way in your form as a human being i'm still going to give you all of heaven but i'm going to make it accessible to you by bodying it forth in the person that you can know and love of jesus of jesus christ in a little way in a small way not just poets but artists generally if they're doing the job Take this beautiful abstract stuff and they body it forth. So get back to that, that Shakespeare. So the poet's eye and fine frenzy rolling doth glance from. As imagination bodies forth, incarnates, mm-hmm. the form of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes, gives to airy nothing, a local habitation and a name, a habitation. You know, if there's some song you really love, or some pictures and work of art that always gets to you. It's so mm-hmm. classic. You keep going back to it. Mm-hmm. You go back, is it where you open the doors and open the windows of that little house of that work of art? You go back into it. Have you noticed how it's always a bit bigger? It's always a bit fresher. Mm-hmm. More thoughts, more mm-hmm. ideas, more insights are meeting you every time you go in there. It's not a solid block or an idol. It's a local habitation. It's the same with poetry like it is in scripture. You, exactly. know, you, you, you read a text, and every time you return to the text by the work of the Spirit, yeah. you're going to bring more exactly so. out of it. And, and, and you don't want to get stuck in the dead letter of it. You know, the letter killeth, the Spirit giveth life. If you just joined us, you're listening to Malcolm Geit. Yes, he obviously is a poet. He's taught at Cambridge. He was a chaplain at one of the colleges of Cambridge. And now he travels where I am with him at Regent College in Vancouver today. He teaches at Biola. Uh, He's at Duke. He's at a lot of places all around. So we, we started off with John and the opening to the gospel. We've gone to Shakespeare now, let's dig into another place, perhaps, in Scripture. Uh, yeah. That's poetic. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so, so much. I always love, you know, it's interesting when you're reading the letters of Paul, which are, you know, full of great theology. Of course, But yes. always the great poetry in mind. And you get what the, what the scholars call the hymns, like the hymn of Christ's self-emptying in, you know, in, in, you know, in Colossians and Philippians. Colossians. And, yes. I particularly love Colossians. So the hymn to Christ in Colossians, mm-hmm. which to me is, is poetry. And, and provokes poetry. So one of the things I love, it always amazes me that people, you know, 
I don't understand how people have a, such a small God that they think God can't cope with a new scientific discovery or can't cope with the size of the cosmos or, like, they've got this little God in a little box and then they're really scared of taking him out into the big bad world. Mm. That's so not Christian. So so this is Colossians, the hymn to Christ. This is just a couple of verses from, verses from Colossians, right? Okay. So yes. it's 1, 15 to 17, right? He is the image of the invisible God. So... Mm. bodies forth the form mm-hmm. of things on them it's totally consonant with john here's the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation here it is for in him all things in heaven and on earth doth glance from heaven to earth from right. earth to heaven in him all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers of power all things have been created through him and for him he himself is before all things and then my favorite line in him all things hold, hold together. together right yes. now what you're trying to do when you write a poem in our own little way is you're trying to hold things together you're trying to create cosmos out of chaos you're trying to take the disorder of language and experience and form it into something so one of the things i wanted to do for sure is to write a poem that was inspired by that verse so i'll just run this past you this is my own poem it's called everything holds together everything holds together everything From stars that pierce the dark like living sparks to secret seeds that open every spring. From spanning galaxies to spinning quarks, everything holds together and coheres, unfolding from the center whence it came. And now that hidden heart of things appears. The firstborn of creation takes a name Mm. and shall i see the one through whom i am shall i behold the one for whom i'm made the light in light the flame within the flame icon to theo image of my god he comes a little child to bless my sight that i might come to him for life and light. You just gave us the life of Christ right there in a poem. <laughs> in a short yeah, poem yeah. that you wrote. All right, okay. Let's, 14 let's, lines. Let's, I'll give yeah. you the, the number no, of lines. So, yes. The sonnet is a thing. I shall tell you a funny story. So I started to write these sonnets particularly when after I became a pastor and our church used to have like a reading, a poetry reading. Well, obviously we preach from the gospel. We preach from the scripture. Sure, yes. But we had another reading that would be just like a reflection to help you get o- open it out. And I used to have to pick those so-called secular readings. And after a while I figured, well, maybe I could write some. So I started so writing these your own. And I yes. went up for the sonnet because it's only 14 lines and you can hear it in a minute and you can remember the end and the beginning together. So, so I started doing so this. So you say, but so, go ahead. So anyway, so I was doing this and sometimes for the early morning short communion service like you'd only have a short reflection anyway and so i would go like i'll just read the sonnet i've got a sonnet on this so i read the sonnet like i just read it to you and i remember i'd been at that church for about three years and i have to say i get a bit carried away my sermons can be slightly lengthier than than the average so i started doing just these sonnets and this church member comes up to me afterwards and he says a big smile on his face says malcolm why didn't you tell us sooner that you could do it in just 14 lines Everybody, you need to know Malcolm Guite has a long white beard, long white hair, 
And he has been known to ride a Harley, yeah, including yeah. when you were in L.A. You yeah, rented yeah, a Harley. Yeah, I did, yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you just wanted to get that California yeah, flavor yeah, to yeah, your yeah. life. Get my knees in the breeze, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> would, would you lead all of us in prayer that our yeah. life would, okay. in Christ would blossom and yeah. grow as we look yeah. forward to joining him face to face? Okay, let's do that. Let's, let's pray then. So. Risen Lord Jesus, I thank you that you stand in our midst. You're right here where Charles and I meet, but you include all things in yourself, and you are in the hearts of our listeners and in the room with our listeners. And scattered as we may be, we stand together because you stand in our midst. And we long for the day, Lord, and ask you to show us a pre-dawn glimmering of the day when we really are visibly gathered in you. And when those little seeds, those little signs and promises that you've sown so freely in our lives bear fruit and all of us who are sown in dishonor will be raised in power and raised in glory and share with you in that life and light that you've already brought into our world. Mm. In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Malcolm Guyton. Thank you for putting up with the non-academic today (laughs) and blessing me and all of our listeners on Haven Today. Thank you. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. You're in a series with me this week called Christians You Should Know, something we haven't done in a while. And I'm so grateful for the time I spent with Malcolm Geit at Regent College in British Columbia. And that was only a portion of our discussion. If you'd like to hear the full-length conversation, Check out our Great Stories podcast tomorrow, wherever you listen to your podcasts, or get details at haventoday.org. As you just heard, poetry helps us in many ways understand the majesty of who the Lord is. And I really think that's why hymns have lasted for centuries upon centuries. The lyrics are rooted in God's Word, and the melodies help these truths sink into our minds and hearts. And I think this is why so many have responded so strongly to the gift we've had this summer called Then Sings My Soul. It's a book that shares the backstory of 150 classic hymns in a powerful way. It also includes the sheet music and lyrics, and it will help you spend devotional time with the Lord this summer while also singing biblical truth that will deepen your faith in Him. So, may I invite you to come to our website right now Take a look at Then Sings My Soul by Robert Morgan, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And another reminder, this is a wonderful book that you might want to get another copy of to share with friends and family or even a Bible study. Ask about multiple copies when you call us at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And just as we go... Here we are getting close to the end of August, and traditionally giving is much lower this time of year. It is this year as well. And so I just want to say thank you to our Haven partners who have committed to praying regularly and giving monthly to help us keep sharing Christ. They help us keep the lights on when giving is low, and I'm so thankful for all of you. But if you're not a Haven partner, We have some wonderful perks for our partnership, so ask about that when you call us at 800-65-HAVEN or read more about becoming a Haven partner at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me with Malcolm Geith. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story 
It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Western culture tends to be pretty obsessed with royalty. We tune in for royal weddings. We listen to podcasts featuring prominent members of a royal family. Why is that? Might it be out of a desire to be a part of a prestigious social and political circle? Well, let me tell you, friend, you are part of a prestigious circle. You've been brought into a royal family, that of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Paul telling us in Colossians 1 that the Father has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We were once outcasts, but now we're accepted in Christ. I'll see you at the heavenly royal wedding. Grow in your walk with Christ. Visit GetAnchor.com.